This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Okay, everyone. So B2B sales teams have experienced a shift in the past few years, right? We've talked about this. This is known. Everybody knows about this and we've all felt it. The pandemic has caused many sales teams to transition to a remote or hybrid work environment. As, as sales leaders, it can be tough to hire onboard and coach when you don't have that daily in-person time with your new reps on the sales floor. So... How do you identify top talent and skills quickly when building your team? And how can you empower your reps to start winning as soon as possible in this hybrid environment, right? The environment, we've changed a lot. How do we do this? Here today to discuss this topic and chew on this issue with me is Appy Chaudhary, Head of Sales Development at Blend. Appy, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much for your warm welcome, Ryan. Happy to be here and excited for this chat. All right. Before we get into the the meat of the conversation and, and talk about this hybrid environment that we find ourselves in, tell our listeners about you. Who 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 is this person? This enigma that is Appy. Uh, you know, basically a sales leader, sales professional who's been in tech sales for the last 13, 14 years. Uh, I currently work at a company called Blend as their head of sales development. What I love is I love hiring, developing early career sales professionals and generating multi-million dollars of sales pipeline for startups. That's for who I am. Well, okay, why, why do you love that? Because that, that can be so painful for a lot of people. Why is that something that gets you up in the morning? Why do you love it? Because these sales early stage career sales professionals go to bigger companies or better companies and do so much good, positive stuff for them, help them generate revenue uh, and make those companies successful. And it's a big motivator for me. I love that. Okay. Well, good to meet you. Let's hop into this. Let's start with our first question. Let's, let's start at the high level, right? So let's, let's talk about the how. How has the shift to this you know, digital selling affected sales leaders as they try to build their new sales teams? It's, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, Ryan. There are two things to keep in mind when, when we went into this pandemic. The first thing was coaching and enablement became very difficult. So coaching and enabling reps in a remote world where they are working from some part of the world on a desk where you don't see them, where you don't know if they understand you was a big challenge. And then second of all, obviously hiring was the second piece where how do you hire the right people in a remote world? So I would say those are the major shifts that came into place right after the pandemic. And uh, what worked really well for me is I was able, I've led remote teams in the past. So I had that experience. And then I knew how to deep dive into coaching reps, as well as hiring the right people and happy to talk about it in detail. Yeah. I want to talk about the right people, right? So that that's one of the, I think the keys for most organizations is getting the right people 
uh, into the right place, the right role inside the organization. You know, from your perspective, you know, what are maybe the the most important skill sets to look for when you're hiring the right people, the top talent? Yeah, I mean, in general, at this point of time, I must have hired somewhere around 115 to 120 sales reps. In fact, in the last three years, which includes two years of COVID, I've hired 45 plus SDRs. Okay. So a lot of hiring. And I, to answer your question, I have a list of 14 skill sets. Uh, I'm probably not going to go through all, but the top five of them, Ryan, are, I would say, adaptability, because we are in a very changing environment right now. Collaboration is also the key. How can a rep collaborate with reps? Uh, Looking at growth potential, because I am trying to hire early in career stage professionals. How passionate is someone? Uh, How persistent are they? Because persistence is a key in the sales development world. And obviously, how coachable are they? So I would say these are the top five, six skill sets I look for when I am trying to hire the right candidate. Okay, so so you gave some really good ones. How And, and some of those are, are fairly easy to see, at least during the interviewing process, right? So you can feel somebody's passion, but the way that they speak or the way that they talk or the stories that they share. Um, you can check out, you can kind of get a feel for their persistence also in that interviewing process. Do they follow up with you? Do they do their pre-work, that kind of thing? How do you get a sense of somebody if, you know, of their coachability? You mentioned that towards the end of your list. Now, how do you get a sense of somebody if they're coachable or not? Yeah, that's an interesting question. How I test for a good way to test for this during the hiring process is to provide them with constructive feedback about the product they are gonna be selling or talking about and tell them the point you told to focus on is very important to the next interviewer. And afterwards, when discussing within the round table, we discuss and see if they change their behavior for that next interview. Okay. So you're employing it, not just in your own, you're, you're looking for things in the entire interviewing process, not just in your single interview, your single interaction, you're giving them some, some tips, letting them go to the next round and then debriefing post hoc to see what's what, see if they actually took those, those coaching tips and employed them. Am I following? Exactly. You've made the right point. Okay. So what, what does that do? Uh, what does that do for you? What does that do for the uh, you know, the, the, the person that's seeking employment, why, how, why is that beneficial for you to employ that it, whole process? It gives me more clarity that how quickly they were able to take that feedback and talk in a different way about our product. That shows that if, when I hire them, if I'm going through a call coaching session with them or an email review session with them or discussing how they did a discovery call, if I give them the, some feedback, how quickly are they going to be able to take that feedback? How coachable are they? How, how much of an open mindset, growth mindset do they have? And then use that feedback for the next call. Yeah, love that. Another one that you mentioned that I want to unpack a little bit is growth potential, right? So again, those other things that you mentioned, fairly easy or not, maybe not easy, but you can uh, maybe easier to, to spot and to measure and to kind of assess. 
How do you assess somebody's growth potential? Yeah, that's a great question. I do have a couple of questions that I ask when thinking about growth potential. And a, a easy question I usually ask is, you know, tell me your time when your manager was unavailable when a problem arose and how did you handle that situation or who did you consult with? That's one question. Another question I try to ask is, you know, describe a time when you volunteer to expand your knowledge at work as opposed to being directed to do so. Mm. What does that uncover typically for you? What, what do you start to see or how do you start to see the differentiation between the top talent and the, and the people that maybe might not be the top talent? Yeah, so basically when I see someone who's really into it and who has great potential, they will actually be, because not necessary, I mean, you'll always have a manager to support and you need to know how you're going to deal with a situation or who do you consult with? Who do you cross collaborate with internally? Uh, so that's a good idea to find out, are they uh, the right cultural fit? Do they know how and when and who to collaborate with when their manager is not available? And then also, you know, when thinking about expanding someone's knowledge, it's a career development is on the candidate themselves, not their manager. So how much initiatives they take to learn more about work, about the product, about competitors, about pricing, instead of being asked to do so. That shows that how much growth potential they have and how, often, how much long they're gonna go in this game. Love that, right? That curiosity kind of demonstrates to you what that, that growth potential looks like. I love that. So, um, okay, I want to go a little bit further here. Uh, you mentioned something cultural fit. In our research with uh, win-loss analysis, we uh, oftentimes, especially in services, we'll hear things like, uh, look, pro product, especially when the product features are similar, when pricing is similar, um, what, where the differentiation starts to happen is, you know, people will say things like, oh, they just fit. They just got us. They just fit better than the other organization. It felt like a better fit. And as we're unpacking this as a, as a research organization, uh, we're looking at this, trying to understand how to define cultural fit, which is a, a terribly difficult thing to do, right? <laughs> that's, that's so squishy. What would be your advice to sales leaders out there to help determine what it means, you know, how do you measure cultural fit or how do you understand when you're sensing somebody just is the right fit for the team? Yeah, I think culture is very important, Ryan. I think it adds a lot to the potential of how much a company can do and expand. And I strongly believe in having a diverse culture. I have a pretty diverse team at Blend. And some things, you know, I try to bring up during the interview process and check on with a candidate that, you know, what's the most interesting thing about you that's not on your resume that shows how can they fit within the existing culture we have? Another question I might ask them is, you know, what's the biggest misconception your coworkers have about you and why do they think like that? That also shows me, you know, when having this conversation, it's a great self-reflection and transparency. And what I am looking for over there demonstrates that the candidate is open with the people around them. So, Appy, you are now, I think, the fifth or sixth 
guest on the show in a row that has mentioned something that is potentially scary for, for the other person. Right. <laughs> and that is it, you're making, you just asked them, you know, tell me something that somebody a perception that might people that have have of you that might be wrong. Oh my gosh, that, that, that makes somebody vulnerable. What else does that teach you with their response? What else, what else do you get to understand and know when, when somebody responds to a question like that? I directly relate this to having a growth mindset and growth potential that, okay, if they are ready to listen and think what people around them think about them, then they can always learn and become better and thrive to be the best. Whether it's around product knowledge, whether it's around collaboration, whether it's around how to talk about our product, all of this comes from the misconception that coworkers have and learn from that and use that in their advantage. Okay. So we focused largely the first portion of our conversation here on the, the identification and the hiring kind of process. I want us to transition a little bit into onboarding. Onboarding is such a wonky place right now because of, you know, you know, the realities of COVID. I mean, shoot, you and I were talking at the beginning before just getting to know each other a little bit before the show, before recording the show. And you mentioned your own onboarding. I mean, the timing of yours was, was kind of perfect. Help, help the listeners understand what happened to you and your onboarding process and how, you know, the, you know, COVID has really changed the, the, the onboarding process in general. So, yeah, I've been, you know, I joined Blend on March 11th, 2020, and that was when we actually went remote in the Bay Area. Yeah. So just before two days I started, I got a call from my hiring manager that, hey, Happy, you know, uh, sorry about the fact that I won't be able to welcome you in the office because we are um, going through a shutdown for two weeks. But don't worry, everything is going to be fine and I'll see you in the office just in two weeks. So that's how I started and no one knew that are we going to be back in the office or how is the office going to look like after a month, three months, six months, or even as a matter of fact, a couple of years. My onboarding was pretty challenging. And I think that initial two, three months when COVID hit, no one knew how long this is going to go. No, it was, it was a total enigma. It was a total, it was brand new territory for everyone. Exactly. So, but what happened is within this two, three months, I mean, companies didn't stop hiring. Uh, aggressive goals were always put in front of sales leaders. So we had to immediately pivot and understand how do we onboard these salespeople in the best way so that we can fill in all those gaps that can be possible for someone who's joining remotely. Um, we have a great, sales, great set of tools we use. Uh, to give you an example, Gong. Uh, we used Gong heavily uh, during the onboarding process by doing call reviews, by you know using those call recordings and doing deep dive into those calls, such as uh, what's the longest monologue and what do you talk about when pricing comes up? How do you respond when a competitor's name comes up? and then even created a scorecard on Gong for giving additional feedback to reps. All of that was used during onboarding for the new reps so that they could learn how to talk about our product to different personas um, that worked out really well. Also, 
I think one important other piece was around documentation. When we are in the office, a lot of things are easy to learn, understand around processes. But when we are hiring people in a remote world, everything needs to be documented. So initial three months, I spent a lot of time in creating documents, processes, publishing them, over communicating them, socializing them on Slack so that everyone could be aware that, okay, here's a process and we don't need to go on someone's desk or table or see them face-to-face -to, -face to learn more about it. Here's the process doc and just go through it. Okay. So you, you just talked about something that is uh, way um, important to me and something that I've done as the you know chief delivery officer here at Primary Intelligence documenting the the various uh, playbooks for the various job functions that we have here um, has been a real thing and it's fundamentally changed how we do business i'm curious for you um you know what did that what did what was the most difficult part of the documentation journey as a leader right as a, as a sales leader what was the most difficult part was it the actual creation of the documentation was it the change internally was it the adoption? You know, what, what was the most difficult part? The most difficult part was changing the internal culture mm. that now you need to stop asking people questions on Slack. And here's a process playbook, which you can follow and you'll find all the answers over here. So it was the cultural piece. Okay, we let, let's peel this onion a little bit because I this identical, right? So whenever you're changing culture is is hard. Change in general is hard. When you're trying to change culture inside of an organization, it's damn hard. So you know, what are some tips and tricks that you could provide our our listeners, our sales leaders, listeners, on help to on ways and means to influence change when they're trying to change culture? Yeah, so to answer this specific questions, question, two learnings. The first thing I learned from one of my mentors, he told me that, Appy, because you're going to hire a lot of people, you'll get a lot of questions. And anytime if you think that you're getting the same question three times or more than three times, you need to process that, you need to document it, and you need to socialize it. That was one of the first learnings I got. The second piece was sharing that culturally within the team that whenever someone asks you something, you're not supposed to answer them. You're supposed to share the process and document with them. We are not going to consider this to be rude, but this is the cultural shift we'd like to have so that people become more automated. They can use these processes and documentations instead of disturbing each other and relying on word of mouth. So leaning into the process, is that that's what I'm really hearing you say here is leaning on and, and relying on the documented process that you've created as the um, lighthouse, as the, the way of na helping navigate through change is brilliant. It's also difficult. Um, because you, you want to fall back. You know, it's been my experience whenever you're going through a change, you have all of the best intentions, all of this energy going into the change, and then you hit a headwind or an obstacle, you stub your toe, whatever, and you want to fall back. It's easy to fall back. 
you know, when, when you bumped into headwinds or when you faced headwinds with change in, in helping onboard in this hybrid kind of place that we're in now, what are some, some things that you've done or, or how did you overcome these, these headwinds or these difficulties so that you didn't fall back into the old way of doing things? Yeah, to your point, Ryan, change is always very difficult. And whenever I'm thinking about change, it could be whenever I'm thinking about change, I'm thinking about how to drive that change using data. So how I go about driving change is showing where are we, why do we need to change, what are we going to do to change and what results are we expecting out of it that's how i when i talk about why do we need to change using data that's when i get real buy-in from my sales team that okay this is a serious problem we have data around this and we need to change the second piece is what do we need to change that's a proposal that comes from me that i put in front of the team Obviously, I've socialized it internally and tried to get feedback on it. And once I present it, the team's like, okay, now we know why are we changing this? We have a proposal from Appy. What are we going to change? And the final piece is what are the results we are expecting out of this change? Uh, that also gives them more clarity that, okay, we're going to go through this change. How is this going to change things for, for me as an individual? contributor and how am I going to become better in doing my job? That's the other piece I related to them when presenting what impact this change is going to create. And that's how I'm able to get their buy-in. Mm. Okay. I love that. So, so far we've talked about um, the, the, you know, the interviewing, the finding of the, the right talent, the hiring of the right talent that now we're into the onboarding. I want to do one more question about onboarding and then transition into the coaching, right? How do we coach best? You know, what are some tips and tricks about coaching in this hybrid world that we live in before we get there for onboarding? Um, when we're talking with salespeople, there's like, you know, you know, uh, Top Gun Maverick is a, is out in the, the theaters right now that probably dates this, you know, Kenny Loggins um, has a song that from the first Top Gun It is also in the second one. It's highway to the danger zone, baby. So the danger zone in onboarding is this first 90 days, right? So these first 90 days, there's potential of really uh, churning talent. How during the onboarding process in this remote or hybrid remote uh, on-prem environment, what can you do to really help the, the stickiness of the culture of the fit for the new, the new hire during the onboarding process? What are some tips and tricks? What have you done to help them feel like part of a team, even though they're, they might be co-located? That's a great question, Ryan. A couple of things over here. First of all, it's all about the tools you have in place. So we have HighSpot, we have Gong. So using HighSpot to make sure we have the right content in front of us, which could start with product knowledge, persona types, pain points, competitors. So providing all of that knowledge board on HighSpot or BrainShark in front of the new employee. Uh, and creating specific, smaller knowledge checks for each aspect 
has helped really well. So let's say if we are selling five products, they read through one product and we've created a knowledge check for that one product. And they go through it and they understand, okay, where do they stand? Do they need to read more about it? The other products, same thing, go through it, knowledge check, they pass and they are ready to talk about it. So that's on about learning the product and understanding the different personas and using Highspot as a tool for onboarding. That works really well. On the other side, it's a lot about meeting them and understanding what challenges they are facing if they're not able to understand anything. So I have running one-on-one -on -one docs where they can add their questions if they don't understand something and then I refer them to a different detailed documentation or I actually talk to them about that challenge they are facing. So that's the second piece out of it. And finally, whenever I try to hire someone, if possible, I try to hire them in batches. So let's say I'll hire two sales reps at the same time so that both can learn from each other, both can get the answers from you know, they're cross collaborators and both can ramp together. And what I also do is I assign a buddy within the team. So any question they feel they don't want to ask me as their manager, as their leader, they think I'm busy, they think it's a stupid question, then they do have a buddy who they can ask and learn from. That's worked really well, where it's also, it also answers all their questions, helps them in onboarding, and they can learn more about the culture of the existing team and become a part of it. Yeah, we've, we've done a similar, employed a similar path here with our analysts and editors and, and new interviewers that we've been, as we've been growing, uh, we call them a PI pal, right? It's your PI pal, <laughs> your, your, it's a buddy system, right? You always, you always have somebody appear that you can connect with um, remotely and they become, oftentimes they become friends. So um, that, that's fantastic. All right, let's transition here, uh, Appy, to the coaching part. We've been through the finding, we've been through the onboarding. Now let's get into the coaching. This has created some significant challenges for a lot of uh, our customers and people that we talk with. In fact, this is a, a major issue for a lot of sales leaders and coaches. Um, the old way of doing things is no more, right? Let's just call it what it is. The old is, is gone. Face-to-face um, -face all the time is, is really transitioning away. And we're at, at minimum moving to a hybrid, if not entirely remote at this point, work from home. So, you know, what do you do? What are the most effective coaching methods that you found for this hybrid environment to create champion sales teams? So for coaching, you know, I've tried to rely on tools and the first tool we use is Gong. We use Gong heavily at Blend and I personally use Gong for a lot of call coaching, Ryan. So to elaborate into it, I try to select specific calls of a new rep and we've created a detailed Gong scorecard where I can go ahead and enter my detailed feedback on that gong call and the rep can learn from it. Whenever I hire someone new, I try to make sure that on a weekly basis, I am coaching them on at least 
five calls per week for sure, being a new rep. So that's a part of their onboarding plan. They start making cold calls and warm calls in their third week or fourth week onwards. And what I do, my role as their leader is from the third week and fourth week, I start listening to their calls on Gong and I need to give detailed feedback on their calls. That's the first thing that has helped in coaching my reps on making these calls. The second thing is, I've there again, it's related to culture, but my entire team, every rep on the team is supposed to listen to three calls from their peers and enter feedback on the same Gong scorecard. That's only shared with the rep who made the call. So in that case, reps are not just getting feedback from me. Reps are not just learning from me, but they are learning from their peers. And it could be whether it's learning both ways. It's learning and getting feedback from another peer, or it's learning how to give constructed feedback to a peer. So my reps are learning both these things within the team. That's the second piece. And then uh, on the call, this was on the call review. And then we talk about, you know, effective role plays. So part of the initial two week, four week, six week plan, after every two weeks, I do a certain role play of 15 minutes with them where I become a specific kind of persona in a specific kind of account and they need to present and do a discovery call with me. It's live, I can see them, I can see their understanding of the product. I can ask them questions like a prospect and they need to respond based on how much they know the product. This works, these role plays help them unleash all the questions that they can face with prospects and that helps them onboard themselves. Mm. So it's okay. So I'm, there's definitely a pattern that's popping up here, my friend, that you're laying out. That's very clear. And that is the reliance on tools to help you bridge the distance gap, right? Um, am, am I understanding you right? That this reliance on tools, it's almost like an, an innate part of your process at this point. Yes, you are absolutely right. It's heavily relying on a tool like Gong, but then also using that tool on a daily, weekly basis. And not just me, but the entire team using that tool on a daily, weekly basis so that they can give feedback, learn from each other, not just wait for my feedback. And that's about it. So I, I love this and the tool in, in like Gong, for example, and, and I hope our friends at Gong and, and also at High Spot, both of which we love, uh, we have friends in both of those places. In fact, Gerard uh, Green from High Spot was one of our guests, I think episode three or four, uh, when, when, you know, a little while ago, but um, long of the short of the whole thing is these tools when they're employed, um, produce data for you. Um, what is the impact of data from a sales leader perspective? What is the uh, the reliance or how do you rely or not rely on data in ongoing coaching sessions, both with Gong and from other sources? You know, how important is data in, in your coaching? Data is very, very important from, you know, two pieces of data I use for my teams when doing their onboarding is whenever 
I am able to easily find out what are these new reps struggling to talk about. Let's say whenever pricing comes up, if they start struggling, we've created a specific tracker and a library on Gong with all of our pricing conversations. So that data and AI of Gong is very helpful in selecting those conversations and bringing it, bringing it in front of the rep for learning purposes. Another piece of data I look at is the longest monologue. So if I have a rep who's on a call and the rep is just continuously talking for two minutes, five minutes, it's, it's not great. We wanna have engaged prospects. We want it to be a conversation while asking great qualifying questions instead of just talking about the product on and on and on. So that longest monologue is also an interesting data point we look at to coach our reps. Valuable. All right, Abby, winding down our conversation for us here. Um, let, let's say we're sitting down and, and we learned that before the show that you lived in, in Thailand and we have a shared love of Thai and Laotian food, Lao food. Uh, one of my favorite things is papaya salad and sticky rice. Uh, let's say you were sitting down with some friends eating some papaya salad, spicy. It has to be spicy, right? Got to have that heat, that spicy papaya salad and some sticky rice. Let's say you were just giving some advice to other sales leaders. What, what, if you could leave them just with one piece of advice over, you know, over some food, what, what, what would you tell them? My one single piece of advice to sales leaders who I'm having hot and spicy papaya salad with would be as a sales leader, try to hire the right people and know what motivates them. Intrinsic motivation, extrinsic motivation, someone wants money, someone wants uh, work-life balance, someone wants recognition, whatever that is. Hire the right people, know what keeps them motivated, and just repeat. Love that. Thank you. All right, Appy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, you, you've been invaluable and we appreciate the insights that you've, you've brought here to us. And really for sales leaders, you, you've, you've kind of talked through some very tactical, usable information and tips and tricks on how they can actually build a champion team in this digital age of selling. And uh, we would challenge all you listeners, all you sales listeners out there to apply these, these tips, tricks, methods as you build your team and you'll see the results. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. This was great. And listeners, for more from our, my friend Appy and Blend and Primary Intelligence, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And don't forget to share and subscribe so you never, ever miss an episode. We'll see you next time.